Hello everyone, I'm your host Aritra Ghosh and today we are joined by Eugene Kwon who is originally from South Korea and is a fourth year PhD candidate in the combined program in Film and Media Studies and East Asian Languages and Literatures. Welcome to the podcast Eugene. Thanks for having me Aritra. So today we'll be talking to Eugene about his research at Yale and also how he ended up here. So Eugene, why don't you start with a kind of like an elevator pitch of your research? Yeah, absolutely. It's a terrifying moment when we have to explain our research. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, I do research on the conceptual history of information in Japan and South Korea from the 1960s and onwards and its impact on various arts, including performance art, video art, and cinema. So. You might be wondering, you know, what, what do I mean by information, right? And why am I focusing on Japan and South Korea of all places in the world? So to answer that first question, um, the very word information would seem pretty banal and superficial to most people. But, you know, it actually has this fascinating history that brings together military history, computer science, cybernetics, and the arts. And... Uh, today, we use the word information to meet, um, to talk about discrete chunks of knowledge. But in fact, many intellectuals and media historians point out that uh, this very word information meant something quite different throughout the 20th century. And actually, it meant something more like a system of flow and circulation in the mid 20th century, which is quite fascinating. And you know, this history of the, this concept of information has a very particular cultural resonance in Japan and South Korea, mm. uh, particularly after the two countries experienced World War II and the Korean War. So in my research, I focus on Japan and South Korea because the two countries have such different usages of this concept. And this is what I'd like to show in my research, that uh, this different meaning of the word information is reflected in various artworks from these two countries. And, you know, in Japan, the concept of information functioned almost like a panacea, something that will bring enormous technological advancement and basically solve all of its social problems. Mm -hmm. And whereas in South Korea, it's a country that went through several regimes of dictatorship after World War II, it had a very different ring to it. Um, it meant something more like military intelligence, basically. And so in short, my research is a comparative project that tries to bring together two countries and also brings together the social, the political, and the aesthetic without one element dominating the other two. So in my mind, all of these uh, three elements, the social, political, and aesthetic, needs to be really thought together and uh, something which needs to be done in any kind of serious research that deals with the history of technology and the arts. Fascinating, Eugene, fascinating. Uh, me, as an astrophysicist, I always get fascinated when people talk about things which are on the Earth and <laughs> has an effect on our lives every day. Uh, yeah. So... Let me ask you, you, when speaking to you off the record as well, you have kind of, you mentioned the term sometimes information society a couple of times. So could you explain for our listeners in a little bit, what would you consider to be an information society and 
how do you think about it? Yeah, absolutely. So information um, society is this term. Um, um, uh, there's an equivalent term in Japanese and Korean. In Japanese, it's joho shakai, and in Korean, it's jongbo sawai. And it's a fairly trendy notion um, that came up, uh, especially in the Western Hemisphere during the 1970s and 1980s. And it's, um, it basically means a new kind of interconnected society uh, that embraces computerization. And this, you know, um, it's really a concept born against the historical backdrop of rapid technological development by the military during World War II and also by big tech companies like IBM, mm -hmm. right? Um, and, you know, with the uh, birth of this new kind of society, um, it's a very uh, optimistic kind of outlook on the world. Um, with, uh, with the arrival of computers, we'll have more uh, leisure time, and it's going to also lead to a heightened kind of creativity. Cool, cool, cool. Uh, and Eugene, one of the goals of our podcast series has been to kind of give listeners an insight into what a PhD actually entails or mm. what does the life look of a graduate student. So if you could tell us a little bit, you have, I think I have now a very broad perspective of your research. And if you could delve a little bit deeper into exactly what you have been doing for your PhD and what kind of initial results or what have you found out till now, if you could share that with us. Yeah, so PhD for me is kind of great mm -hmm. uh, because after a few years of doing master's and PhD, people become fatigued. <laughs> and <laughs> that is true. And the fortunate thing for me is that um, I came here without doing a, a master's somewhere, somewhere else. And, and it's been, yeah, it's, I have to say I've been pretty grateful mm -hmm. uh, throughout my whole time here because I get to watch films and read things that I like that sounds for great. my work <laughs> and talk to like very smart and I need to add very generous people um, in the department who are um, willing to spend their time with me to think and talk about these things. So in general, I would say I've just been really, really grateful to be here at Yale. Um, and uh, what is my daily life like? Yeah, so I, I really just wake up, uh, read, and also teach students mm -hmm. to think about these things. And actually... So I'm teaching in this course uh, called Film 160, Introduction to Media, taught by Professor John Durham Peters, who's in the English department and also um, has an affiliation with Film and Media Studies program. He's actually the chair of the program at the moment. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's uh, been really, really great to talk to these um, uh, undergraduate students to think about things that really seem separate to them, but uh, kind of encouraging them to th think um, synthetically about, you know, about the arts, about uh, its social kind of background and the political context against which these things are really talked about. Mm -hmm. So, and your second question, what did I find out yeah. through my research yeah. is... That like one thing there are 
many different historical approaches to questions regarding information and information society. And two, I would say is that um, information seems like a very universal concept to us, but it's actually not quite the same thing to everyone in the world. So I would say that um, those two things are something that I've been um, able to discover through my research. Yeah, that's especially all of this is so fascinating considering that how in our current uh, socio-political context, we have been thinking about and talking about information so much in different uh, aspects of it. Yeah, And I will hold on to my question about that uh, for a little bit, but uh, we have now come to know Eugene, the researcher, but uh, I want to get to know more about your life growing up and ending up here at Yale. So if you could tell us about your years growing up as a kid, uh, where that happened, how that happened. Yeah. Um, so where to begin? <laughs> um, so I am what they call a diplomat kid, uh, oh. very similar to a military brat. Mm-hmm. So I was born in um, Bogota, Colombia. Bogota, as my friends always <laughs> correct me. It's not Bogota. <laughs> it's Bogota, Colombia. And um, yeah, I grew up in uh, Spain, uh, Costa Rica, Poland. South Korea and the U.S., but I spent uh, a, a fair chunk of uh, amount of time in uh, the U.S. and South Korea. Um, and, yeah, uh, it's a very interesting thing because ac- academics, like, academics, is particularly in my field, like to talk about the transnational and, oh, it's just another hip phrase that people are throwing <laughs> around here and there. Uh, to talk about social and cultural phenomena, but it's it's funny because like I kind of think about my trajectory, and it has been very kind of all over the world, and I don't really um, I don't like using fancy words to describe my life or myself, mm-hmm. but uh, it has been you know um, uh, like transna- the word transnational it's not such a foreign thing to me and. Um, and I'm like, I'm really not the only one. There's so many people at Yale who have these kinds of, uh, you know, cultural and physical trajectories that really defy, uh, defy physical boundaries and, and cultural boundaries, I should add. So, yeah, that's really, um, yeah. So you are <laughs> kind of one of the global residents of Yale. And, and you're correct. We see so many people here at Yale uh, from such a wide variety of backgrounds and geographical locations. It's fascinating. Now, I know something about Eugene that before coming to Yale, uh, you were in the South Korean military. So if you could tell us a little bit about your service in the military and your decision to come to Yale from that, and how was the transition uh, and like getting adjusted life in New Haven? Yeah, this is a dangerous question you're asking me, Archer, because (laughs) (laughs) when you ask Korean men, what their military service was like. It's either of two things. It's like uh, I was completely traumatized or, you know, like the other side is like they'll just end up talking like hours and hours about their <laughs> service, which is while drinking, you know, whatever it's whatever is in their hands. So it's like, you know, there's no good outcome <laughs> Let's, let's <laughs> with this question. On this. Yeah. But, you know, I'll just go with the, the safer version <laughs> of... Um, 
uh, answering this question, which is I, I served in the South Korean Navy as, an, um, uh, as a lieutenant junior grade. Uh, that was my, you know, final ranking uh, in the organization from 2015 and 2000 to 2018. Mm-hmm. And my specialty was interpretation and translation. So I worked with a lot of American and Japanese servicemen. Mm-hmm. So uh, uh, going on business trips to Tokyo and uh, sometimes the Middle East, uh, which is quite random. Mm-hmm. And also the U.S. Uh, in Mississippi, where they have the the naval research uh, base there. And it was a pretty um, interesting experience because um, the military is a very um, a special, has a very special temporality to it. Mm-hmm. And I would say it has a very distinct culture. Mm-hmm. And um, I kind of cherish it because... Um, Experiencing that world before uh, entering the academia is um, is helpful mm-hmm. because you kind of gain all these uh, social skills and also deal with a variety of other kinds of people mm-hmm. outside academia. And I think that's um, always kind of... Uh, it puts a... Um, it gives you a different perspective to look at, um, uh, uh, to look at things. Yeah. yeah. So it kind of broadened, broadened your horizons quite a bit, I guess. Uh, yeah. Um, and how was coming to Yale? Like, how did you end up uh, coming here? And yeah, how did you kind of get accustomed to life? Yeah. So while in the military. I was thinking of doing either two things after the service. It was either I want to uh, become involved in filmmaking as a director or producer. Mm -hmm. That's one thing. Or uh, the other option was to go into academia and do more research and writing. Mm -hmm. So um, those two things are still really, really my um, kind of dream objectives in life. Mm -hmm. And um, fortunately enough, I was able to and uh, I was able to do both, and I still continue to do both. And um, I was initially thinking of doing a master somewhere, somewhere else um, before doing a PhD, uh, because I really didn't think that um, I would get into a program that I uh, desired. Mm-hmm. But uh, fortunately, Yale um, gave me a PhD offer, and it was a really great choice because of the interdisciplinary nature of the film and media studies program here. So if you want to do a PhD in film and media studies at Yale, you have to do it in conjunction with another department. So mm. I have my colleagues in doing film and media and art history or film and media and English or film and media and Slavic literature mm-hmm. um, and so on and so forth. So it's, it's really been great. It's very flexible. It's enabled me to... Um, do a lot of uh, different things and take different courses and think about all of them together. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Great, great, Eugene. And we are very glad that you ended up coming to Yale, of course. Um, so, you know, you have described your life uh, kind of as having lived in many countries and have having had very kind of diverse experiences in all of them. So because of being an international student, um, do you think it has given you unique perspectives 
on life or uh, maybe on your PhD research as well? Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. Could you so, could you delve into that a little bit for our listeners? Yeah. So I would say that being an international student or being somebody who's uh, who doesn't really belong to uh, one specific culture entirely is a privilege in a way mm-hmm. because it provides a what I call like a third space mm-hmm. from which you can think about um, culture and society. Um, by third space, I mean you're neither in one culture or another. Um, so it's it's kind of like a almost like a um, a distanced perspective uh, through which you can think about things. And um, you know there are two uh, intellectuals that I always kind of look up to in this regard. Is uh, one is a uh, Stuart Hall, mm-hmm. who's a Jamaican-born uh, Marxist cultural theorist, and another person is. Edward Said, uh, who is uh, also a cultural theorist who taught at Columbia University for several years mm-hmm. and has written this book on uh, Orientalism, which is a kind of a, a very famous text in, in my field. And, you know, Stuart Hall and Edward Said, they also um, kind of uh, see themselves as outsiders, right? And they talk about uh, culture from this third space. And I think that's such a um, that's a very important thing to do um, because it, it really does give you a critical perspective without um, being kind of um, uh, um, being stuck in this quagmire uh, within the, uh, a lot of the cultural discussions, especially like in the U.S. Mm-hmm. You think about how people talk about politics uh, and culture in this country and uh, I think it's uh, important for people to take this kind of a critically distanced um, position mm-hmm. um, uh, to look at society, basically. Yeah. Nice, nice. Yeah, it's. Uh, I sometimes think about this that because it surely must be correlated to like the kind of research that all of us graduate students do. That having lived our lives in the way. Uh, that we have lived, it's interesting how kind of that impacts our research in different ways. And kind of to uh, going towards the end of this podcast, Eugene, so you have given us a very interesting perspective into your research, into your kind of uh, proposed thesis topic. So if I could ask you, what do you hope would be kind of the biggest thing that comes out of your thesis finding findings in terms of both Uh, just information and also specifically in the context of information in the modern society. So uh, do you think your studies of uh, information in the past, could it help us understand also uh, about information in modern life? uh, Absolutely. Yeah, I would say that studying this, uh, the history of this concept is quite informative because uh, for one thing in the context of academia it gave rise to uh, what we now know as interdisciplinarity Mm -hmm. right Uh, this kind of uh, institutional effort Mm -hmm. (laughs) to encourage people to think across the disciplines this really all comes out of uh, within at uh, against the backdrop of how people were thinking about information in information society Mm -hmm. so uh, in that regards i would say it's a quite fascinating topic Mm -hmm. and 
really my kind of um, goal through this project is to, again, going back to what I was saying about the social, the political, and the aesthetic. Mm-hmm. Like when people th- um, write about these things, it, they tend to be very, um, uh, they, it, it, it's almost like disparate things that they uh, talk about. And um, I always think that uh, you can't really talk one without the other two. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, yeah, that's really my primary um, goal for, um, for the public, really, uh, mm-hmm. through my research. Cool, cool. Uh, thank you so much, Eugene, for kind of giving us this uh, quick tour of your research and your life uh, at Yale. Uh, is there anything at the end you would like to share or any final thoughts on uh, this podcast series or anything else? Uh, not that I can think of, but, uh, you know, um, um, yeah, I hope a lot of uh, international students mm. um, can listen to this podcast and kind of um, sometimes, like, I think, uh, actually not sometimes, but often, like, graduate, <laughs> being in graduate school is it's such a solitary effort, mm-hmm. it seems, and <laughs> um, Particularly in the humanities, I don't know about you, but like in the humanities, there's not as much collaboration as in the Sciences. STEM fields, and especially yeah. with COVID also. In the right? Yeah, years, yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah, yeah, with COVID, and I've always found this really bizarre, um, and it's something that I think needs to be improved upon. It's like in the humanities, people just do their research, and that's it. Like mm-hmm. you, uh, you rarely kind of see people talking with each other mm-hmm. uh and i um i really hope that this uh doesn't become the future norm at yale it's uh it's like um you know um i i think that, you know uh nobody wants to be kind of uh, stuck in their rooms and just yeah yeah reading books and and writing and that's it that's it for their <laughs> academic life and uh it's something that i try not to do um And if somebody, if there's like a a lonely soul (laughs) (laughs) listening to this podcast, then I I just want to, you know, um, kind of, uh, you know, um, I hope that this doesn't, you know, um, that people make active efforts to uh, prevent, uh, you know, this becoming the norm in this uh, school. So get get people out of their silos. That's 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 our goal. Exactly. And. We definitely hope with this podcast series, both within the Yale community and also our alumni outside the university, people kind of get to know more about what graduate students do, what their lives look like and everything else. So uh, thank you very much, Eugene, for taking time out of your weekend to speak to us. Um, And for all of you listeners, uh, we'll have another episode uh, very soon with another graduate student. Until then, uh, goodbye and thank you for listening to this podcast. Thanks for having me, Aritra. Yeah, it has been a pleasure.